0: Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you out this morning. We are glad that you were here. Today we continue a study that we have begun a couple of weeks ago on 2 Peter chapter 1, and particularly verses 5 through 7, and we'll use those uh, later in the lesson. Uh, but we're studying fruitful Christian growth and what we need to do as Christians in order to grow. There are certain things that we need to add to our lives, certain things that need to define us, basically, as Christians. And what we are looking at today is how we are to grow in knowledge, growth in knowledge. Knowledge is defined in a couple of different ways. The, the basic definitions that we are given, facts, facts information and skills acquired by a person through experience or education. The theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. Another definition, awareness or familiarity gained by experience of a fact or situation. When we look at this from a biblical perspective, standpoint we have a a little bit different understanding of what knowledge is and how it is used whenever we look at this biblically we find that there are are a couple of different types of knowledge one of those is specially revealed knowledge miraculously revealed such as through through visions dreams or a direct message from God but we also understand that this type of knowledge was not to be had forever. And there was going to come a time when this type of knowledge would pass away. And it has. First Corinthians 13, verse 8, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. This type of specially revealed knowledge is not with us today. There's no need for it any longer, such as the the need for tongues and, and prophecies and things of that nature we have the revealed will of God before us in the form of the Bible. And having that revealed will, we are able to share it with others and we are able to come to a knowledge of God through it. Knowledge of what has been revealed to us in God's Word. That's the kind of knowledge that we're talking about today. This knowledge is acquired through hearing and studying God's Word. I remember hearing a, a sermon by Hugh Fulford in Gatlinburg a couple of years ago. And, and he gave a sermon on Matthew chapter 25, and, and particularly the, the parable of the virgins. And he gave a list of things that could not be borrowed. And one of the things that could not be borrowed is knowledge. He said he remembered uh, someone speaking to a preacher. Maybe a preacher spoke to him of it. But someone had come and said, I I would do anything to have the kind of knowledge that you have. And he said that's something that can't be borrowed because it's something that we acquire as we study God's Word. I I, can't, I would love to have the knowledge that, that Brother Kirk has. And I love when he teaches classes. And, and I love when he's in my classes because he, he teaches about half of my classes too. And that's okay. But the only way to have the type of knowledge that he has is by experience. And, and it's something that, that I won't have immediately. But it's something that I would have to gain on my own. It can't be borrowed Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If we want to be knowledgeable in God's Word, and we need to be knowledgeable in God's Word, it's something that we must study for ourselves. You're not going to gain knowledge by even listening to me speak or or someone else. But the best kind of knowledge that you're going to gain is that you gain by your own personal study. Our lesson objectives for this morning are first of all to learn what true biblical knowledge is. And number two, to learn how we are to grow in this knowledge of God and His Word. First of all, we have reasons for growth in knowledge. There are certain reasons that we are given in Scripture that we should grow in our knowledge. There is a great difference between a new Christian and a seasoned Christian. And that difference is basically knowledge. There are things that we apply to our lives, but it's all dealing with knowledge. Christians are advised to grow from the basic knowledge that brings us to salvation. You're not to continue in that knowledge. You may find out what you need to do to be saved. Uh, We look at the conversions of the Bible. Uh, The Philippian jailer, we've been studying him a little bit on Wednesday nights. And as you look at the jailer, he was an alien sinner. And so whenever uh, they begin to speak to him, he is told, Believe, and you and your household will be saved. Well, that's because he needed to believe. That was the, the first thing that needed to happen. And when he believed and when he understood what was necessary in order for him to be saved, it was necessary for him to be baptized for the remission of his sins. Acts 16. And he was. But I know that he wasn't to continue only in that knowledge. We need to gain more knowledge in regard to God and His Word. You know, there are a lot of comparisons that that I could think of, but one of them that comes to mind is school. Did you ever have certain classes in school that you were just happy to maybe get a C, maybe just get by and just pass the class? Is God happy with us just passing as Christians? Or does He want us to be better than that? Even if you did just pass a class, I guarantee your parents would have been happier in some regards if you made better grades. God wants us to make the best grades that we can in regard to our Christianity. Peter, writing to persecuted Christians, uses the example of new Christians to teach them how they should desire the word. First Peter chapter two, and beginning with verse one. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil, speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. A a newborn babe is is not going to be able to partake of solid food for some time. But they are to grow. We expect them to grow to be able to partake of solid food. And in the same way that we expect newborn babes to grow in their nourishment and their desire for nourishment. So we are expected as Christians to grow in our desire and our desire for spiritual nourishment. Christians are not to remain as babes in Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, and beginning with verse 1. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 through 3. And I brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you were not able, for you are still carnal. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, and not solid food. They needed to grow. And they were told that they needed to grow. The Corinthians, as well as the Hebrews addressed in the letter, were guilty of remaining in the same knowledge and understanding they had when becoming Christians and were not able to receive the meat that they should have been able to receive. As we look at 2 Peter chapter 1... And beginning with verse 5. In the characteristics that we have been studying. He says, but also for this very reason. Giving all diligence add to your faith virtue. To virtue knowledge. To knowledge self-control. To self-control perseverance. To perseverance godliness. To godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice again what it says in verse 8. If these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, knowledge of the fruit presented here provides us with knowledge of Jesus Christ and leaves us neither barren nor unfruitful. Growing in this knowledge is paramount to our spiritual growth. We must have knowledge of these characteristics in order to really know of Christ and who He is And what he stood for. Knowledge of God's word helps us to know the difference between the truth and false teaching. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus warns in verses 15 through 20, Matthew 7 and verse 15 Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them." Now how are we to know the truth as opposed to the lie? I remember Brother Kirk explaining in one of, the, of our classes about money. If you were to take any kind of bill there are ways that you can tell whether or not it is counterfeit. But ultimately the way that they teach how to tell the difference between the truth and the counterfeit is by knowing what the truth looks like. And when it comes to the Bible, when we know what the truth looks like from a biblical standpoint, then we can tell a difference between the truth and the lie. Timothy was instructed by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 beginning with verse 2. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure your afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You see, there were those, and there are those today, who will not endure sound doctrine. They, they go for their own desires. They look for those that teach the things they want to hear. Those with itching ears lack knowledge. And worse, desire for the truth. In Matthew 5 and verse 6, Jesus says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. See, he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness will seek such knowledge from the very source, from God's Word. He will seek it in all honesty when he finds the truth. He will heed it. He will obey it. He will apply it to his life. There are many things that I could go on and tell you what you should know about the Bible. This is a very short list. But these are things that you should know. When it comes to knowledge of the Bible, you should know how to use it. And we're we're working on that. We're we're going through some lessons on Sunday nights that that really get down to the nitty gritty, I guess you could say, about the Bible, what we should know about the Bible. But you should have a knowledge of the Old Testament. And there are reasons that you should have a knowledge of the Old Testament. There are many lessons. That we can learn. And and as we we learn from the New Testament. These things are written for our learning. Let's begin with the faith of our fathers. We should know of the faith of our fathers. Our knowledge of faith begins with the example of those who have gone before us. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and look at the, the list that we have there. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and the list continues. But all of these lived in faith. And there are lessons that we can learn from each of them. Our faith in God and His creation of the world is founded upon the faith that begins in the Old Testament. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen... We're not made of things which are visible. From them we learn that faith involves obedience. When we look at the examples of those before us, we learn of their obedience. In James chapter 2, verses 21 through 26, here we have the example of Abraham. James chapter 2 and verse 21 that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. In every example of faith, we find obedience as necessary. It was necessary for Noah, who was not saved until he built the ark. It was necessary for Abraham, who was not blessed until he left his home. And even in Genesis chapter 22, when he was to sacrifice his own son, he was not justified until he was obedient in the things that God told him to do. And we could go on with the, the list, but, but these teach us obedience, faith, Leads us to obedience. And we need to be obedient in our faith to God. We learn from the example of Israel. We talked about this a little bit this morning. Upon hearing and agreeing to obey the commandments of God in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and beginning with verse 28, we read this: Deuteronomy 5 and verse 28. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, and beginning with verse 1, we read that God was with them. Through everything that they faced, all the difficulties and many of those were faced because of just being consequences to their their own actions, but God was always with them as His people. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 1, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember the Lord, that the Lord your God led you all the way these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep His commandments or not. So He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. And though they turned their backs on God, and He did not keep them from suffering from the consequences of their actions, He still loved them and offered them redemption. In the book of Hosea, chapter 11 and beginning with verse verse 1. Hosea 11 verses 1 through 9. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals. And burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk taking them by their arms. But they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. Verse 9, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come with terror. Why do we need to know these things? We need to know of the faith of our forefathers so that we can build our own faith by their example. So that we can learn to follow the commandments of God as He desires that we do. We need to know what Israel went through because when we learn of Israel and we learn that they faced the consequences of their actions, we learn that we too will face the consequences of our own actions. But even when we face these consequences, even though God does not keep us from the consequences, He is with us. And as He led Israel all the way, those 40 years, so He still leads us today. There are many lessons that we can learn from the Old Testament. And these are only a couple. But we should also have a knowledge that goes beyond the Old Testament. We need to have a knowledge of the New Testament as well. And as we study the New Testament, we learn, uh, learn of the connection between the Old and the New Testaments. It has often been said That the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed while the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And there are many things in the New Testament that are revealed to us in their pages. Things that we learn about in the Old Testament but maybe we don't have a complete understanding, a complete knowledge of. But we need to have a knowledge of the New Testament. You should know that the ordinances and prophecies from God pointed to the coming Christ. It has been said that that possibly maybe one of the most pivotal moments in Scripture or in existence period is the birth of Christ. And I think there may be uh, something to that. Because when we look even beyond that We might say that that maybe the most pivotal moment would be the cross. But the cross wouldn't come without the birth of Christ. We are told in the Old Testament that Jesus was to come. And He did. In Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Luke 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus was born to humanity, to a virgin. It had been prophesied that Jesus would be born into this world. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Jesus came. Just as it was prophesied that He would come, so He came. And we know that in His coming, He came to establish His kingdom. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 tells us that He is the head of this kingdom, His church. In Matthew 16 and verse 18, we are told that this church is founded on faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Without faith, it is impossible for us to please Him. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And so, our service, our faithfulness to God is founded upon faith in Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. In Acts 2, the promise of this coming kingdom is fulfilled by the teachings of His apostles and the obedience of the Jews to His commands. In Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42, then those who gladly received His word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. We are part of that same church that was established on the day of Pentecost. By obeying the Word just as they did. Repenting, being baptized for the remission of sins. When we do that, we are added the Lord's body by the Lord Himself. We are the church that is described in Acts chapter 2. You should know that the redemption of mankind for Him to be added to this kingdom was purchased through the blood of Christ. It did not come through the animal sacrifices made throughout the Old Testament. As we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Because the animal sacrifices offered, uh, they could not take away the sins of those who offered them. But they looked forward to the cross where Jesus shed His blood for man's sins. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 10. Therefore when He came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will. O God. Verse 8, Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Through the blood of Christ, we may be reconciled to God. In Romans three verses 21 through 26, Romans three verse 21. whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Through the blood of Christ, we can be redeemed. We can be justified. And the best definition of that word that I've ever heard is just as if I'd never sinned. But for the blood of Christ to cleanse us, it means that we need to do those things that are necessary to come in contact with that blood Just as Noah had to obey God's Word in order to be saved. So we are told in 1 Peter chapter 3 that we must do the very thing. We must be obedient to the Word of God. And in that respect, we understand that baptism does now save us. It is where we come in contact with the blood of Christ shed for the remission of our sins. For the forgiveness of our sins. Beyond obedience, we must also remain faithful to God. Maybe it is your need that you need to respond to the Lord's invitation. Maybe because you've not obeyed the Word of God. Maybe you need to come in obedience. Sacrifice your life to Him beginning with obedience and baptism. Maybe you need to come back and repurpose your life, rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need to ask for prayers, for forgiveness for something that you've done. And in that respect, we stand ready to assist you in that need also. Whatever your need may be today, if you do stand in need of the Lord's invitation and responding, we stand ready to assist you as we stand as we sing.